I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 85. If you missed the pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. Setting your mind on good thoughts, uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, true, biblically-based thoughts from above isn't easy. And that's why we do the podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and maybe put a smile on your face. Today's thought from above is this. We are different, but we are one. The first church that I served in as a youth pastor back in college had an interesting history, and I didn't know it, but after I got hired, the senior pastor of the church called me into his office, and he said, I just want to tell you a little bit about the history of this church. And I said, great. He said, well, five years ago, we went through a church split. I said, wow, okay. May I ask what it was about? And he said, well, it's interesting because what the split was about was over the order of service. I said, you mean the, the worship service, like the order in which you did things? And he said, yeah, that was what we split about. And he said, ironically, it was about where we put the greeting in the service. I said, wait, you mean the, the, the place where we shake hands, where we m- maybe hug or you know pass the peace of Christ? That's the, he said, yeah. We, the church had had it at the beginning of the service, and uh, some people wanted to move it right in front of communion, and so, and they got this argument, and it just escalated, and they got, they fought, and then they, they divided, and they split. I remember thinking, how sad that is, you know, that Christians, I think, we, we think of all people, should be able to love one another through disagreements. We should be able to disagree on things and not have to divide, and I, I thought about that in the world we're living in right now. I don't really remember a time in my life where I felt like the world, even the Christian world, uh, was more divided in terms of you know, politics and social issues and sexual issues, racial divides. And it just, I mean, it just goes on and on the list. And I thought, wow, this is a time when we need to think about how, how is it that we could learn how to disagree, and stay unified. And I remember one time when, when Dallas Willard was teaching a class, and he was talking about Christian fellowship and the struggles that we have, and he said this. He said, when we disagree, it's precisely not the time to divide. This is the time when we have the chance for God to do something great. And I asked Dallas afterwards, I said, what did you mean by the chance for God to do something great. And he said, you know, when, when we disagree, if we can hang together, that's when we really need to lean into God and see how he can do something really marvelous out of that. And that always stuck with me. But here's the thing. When we disagree, it's really difficult to stay in fellowship, particularly if the issue is important to us. In those times, it's like, well, well this is really important. Um, I feel this way, this is my position on this thing, whatever that is, uh, it's hard not to let the issue 
take precedence over the relationship, how to keep it from fracturing fellowship. I think the only way we can work through it is to follow the advice of the Apostle Paul. Paul was brilliant, and he understood this very well. He knew, because many of the early Christian communities had issues of disagreements and breaks within the fellowship because people had disagreed. So Paul really understood it, and he gives such an, a beautiful illustration of how this is supposed to work when he talks about one particular issue within one particular church, and that is the church at Philippi. Philippians is known as the letter of joy, and it is. Paul talks about joy quite a lot. But what I think most of us maybe don't know about the letter to the Philippians is that Paul also was aware that within that community there was a disagreement. There was a division, and it was between two people, actually, two actual people, because we know this when you get to the end of the letter, when Paul says in chapter 4, verse 2, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. You think, well, wait a minute. Okay, what is Paul doing there? Now, at, at the end of many of Paul's letters, he gives very personal greetings. He mentions people he knows personally, and he's, you know, give my regards to so-and-so, whatever. So when he writes, I urge Euodia, that was a, a woman's name, and I urge Syntyche, also a woman's name, to be of the same mind in the Lord, it's clear that Paul's aware, at least most scholars believe, that uh, there was an issue. We don't know what the issue was, but they were at odds with each other. And Paul's counsel to them is to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, back in Philippians 2, Paul gives us the answer to that. In Philippians 2, which is a, such a beautiful passage, um, Paul begins with, with these words in Philippians 2.1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy, there's that word joy, letter of joy, make my joy complete. How, Paul? He follows it up with this. Be of the same mind. Okay, there it is. Be of the same mind. Now, when you know the issues going on in that community, and then you read those words, you go, Paul's talking about encouragement, consolation, sympathy, compassion. Oh, Paul's solution to people who are disagreeing, Christians who disagree, is to be of the same mind, particularly have the same mind be in you that was in Christ. Well, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? Well, Paul explains that in Colossians 3.12, when he tells the people, the, the Colossian Christians, that they are the people who are chosen, holy, and beloved. Those three things. That's what he's saying. This is this is how Christ views us. We're chosen, we're holy, and we're beloved. So when Paul says put on the mind of Christ, that means that we are to see ourselves and each other as people who are chosen, holy, and beloved. So when he gives us the counsel, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, okay, that tells me I want to think like Jesus. I want to think about myself as Jesus thinks about me. I want to think about others as Jesus thinks about them. And that 
changes everything. See, it's one thing to say, well, just, you know, you disagree, but don't, don't, you know, just give up your opinion. No, no, that's not what he's saying at all. He says, having the mind of Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, the mind of Christ is a mind of high regard for other people. And that's why in verse 3 of Philippians 2, Paul says, count each other as better than yourselves. Now, at first reading, that sounds like, wait a minute, am I supposed to just think really lowly of myself? I got to, you know, I got to think of other people as on a pedestal and I'm lowly. No, that's not what it means. The Greek word, uh, hooper ekontos, that Paul uses there, we translate it as count others as better, uh, is actually one word. It doesn't mean all those things. Hooper means above and ekontos is from to be. So see them as above. It doesn't mean as better than you. It means see themselves as someone who's excellent. That's the difference. So, you know, Bill and Ted, they had it right. Be excellent to each other. See each other as excellent, as chosen and holy and beloved. When you see someone in that way, it changes everything. It changes how you disagree. If you're able to see others as excellent, see others rightly. On this podcast, I talk a lot, about, a lot about our identity in Christ as being people in whom Christ dwells and delights. That's how I identify. I'm Jim in whom Christ dwells and delights. When I meet you, I see you as one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I see you as excellent. And when I see you that way, when you see me that way, it absolutely fundamentally changes how we relate to each other. And Paul takes it even a step further to say in, in Philippians 2.5, which is the great hymn or the great piece of liturgy about the person of Christ, who though he was in the form of God, didn't count his equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself in the form of a servant, became a human being, became obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross, like the worst way you can die. God himself, the maker of the universe, the creator and sustainer of everything, became a human being. There's a thought from above. Hang on that one for a while. And then think that that human being that he became became obedient to death. Like he, he went to the cross. That is incredible humility. But you see, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, as C.S. Lewis said. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking about yourself less because you're thinking about others more. That's really crucial. See, Jesus went to the cross thinking not about how bad he was. The humility Jesus had when he went to the cross was because he was thinking so much about us. And that's just, that changes everything. So when, you, when Paul's saying, have this mind in the context of our disagreements, it's going to really change how we approach it. See, because I can have the mind of Christ in the midst of a disagreement. I'm a part of a church, and in my church... There are beloved brothers and sisters in Christ who I've known for years, and I know they think very differently on several issues, political issues, issues of uh, sexuality, gender, economics, health care, you, you name it. I mean, and they're dear brothers and sisters, and we've had coffee and had discussions, and, I, and they think differently than I do, and then they do with each other, and yet we are in fellowship. So one of the questions I ask quite often is, is the tent big enough 
for us to disagree yet remain in fellowship? Is that tent big enough? And my answer is yes, it is, if the center pole is Christ. See, when the center pole is Christ that's holding up this tent, then that's the thing upon which we all agree. See, I agree that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. I agree that he is the one who defines reality, defines each of us. I believe that what he taught was true. So there are things upon which I cannot disagree over. If someone says, well, I don't believe Jesus was the Son of God. I, didn't, I don't believe he rose from the dead. Well, you know what? That's the center pole. So you, we can't be in the same tent because the, the, the center pole is gone. But if you say Christ is Lord, Jesus was the Son of God who rose from the dead. Jesus was the second member of the Trinity who you know, defines reality. He's, he's the teacher. He's, he's the Savior. All those things. If we have that in common, then the tent is big enough that I can disagree on other things. That's, that's the point. See, that's why, that's why St. Augustine said in the 4th century, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. That's what Augustine was getting at. In essentials, unity. The things that, you know, if we're going to be in fellowship as Christians, we, we have to have the essentials unified. We have to fully agree that Jesus was the Son of God who rose from the dead, and sort of those central beliefs, the things that we say in the creeds, you know, what we say in the creed, that's, that, that's the center pole. But when it comes to other things, we can disagree. And that's why Augustine said to have liberty in a non-essential. Now, of course, the hard thing for Christians is saying, well, I think that's essential. I think my view of pick one, healthcare, my approach to it is the right one, and you don't have that. You know what? I think Augustine would probably go, you know what? That's a non-essential. We, let's have some liberty. Let's have some liberty. Now, I know this is pushes some people because there's certain hot third rail kinds of issues that just like, wow, I can't, I can't be in fellowship in, with someone who disagrees. Okay, that's where the challenge is, right? That's where Dallas was trying to say, let's see if God can do something great. Because the world's watching us, right? They're, they're looking to see how we can be in fellowship together when we disagree. And when we divide easily... They just go, well, there's those Christians. Look at them. You know, they're just so hypocritical and judgmental. No, no, no. You know, we, we learn how to do that because of the center, because of the center. Recently, when Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, died, I learned something about her that I didn't know. I didn't know that she was incredibly close friends with uh, the Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. She and Scalia, Scalia died four years before Ginsburg did, but um, I knew that they were on opposite ends. I knew that, you know, Scalia was the conservative and Ginsburg was liberal, and they, they were on opposite ends of a lot of cases. But what I didn't know is that they were incredibly close friends. In fact, th- that they had a, a, a saying, we are different, we are one. In fact, there was even an opera that was written uh, with the two of them as main characters, where, you know, there's the, someone playing Scalia and someone playing Ginsburg, and they're singing and you know, these, these incredible songs and so forth about them. But this idea that we're different, but we're one. And of course, in, in, in their situation, it was the oneness was the Constitution. The U.S. Constitution was the thing that they said, this is what we agree on. And that's that, that's the, that was their center pole. But it's still a great illustration to say, yeah, there, here's the center pole. 
in their case, the Constitution. In us, it's the risen Christ. And I think that's the real challenge for us to say, what's the center pole and can we, can we work together on this? Barry Corey, the president of Biola University, uh, had a quote that I just thought was fantastic. He, he writes this, The gospel calls us to both truth and love. This is the way of kindness, what I call a firm center, soft edges. Kindness does not mean affirming each other's choices, but it does mean listening to each other's voices. You don't have to see eye to eye to work shoulder to shoulder. I just like that image, the firm center, soft edges. I think that's so crucial, and I think the world is looking to see that. And it's good for us, it's good for our own souls to, to learn how to stay in love and fellowship with someone who doesn't have exactly the same views on things. That church I mentioned at the beginning that split, I wasn't there, so I don't know, but I suspect that there was a point in which they stopped listening to each other. They stopped seeing each other as excellent. They stopped valuing each other, seeing each other as people in whom Christ dwells and delights. And that's what allowed them the possibility of dividing, which they did. Again, I don't know, but I suspect it's so. And I think that it could have gone differently. Look, here's the truth. We are different. I, I mean, I have brothers and sisters in my own fellowship. You have friends who are Christians. They think differently. But you know what? We're one. We're one in Christ. We are different. So that's why the thought from above is this. We can think differently, but the most important thing is that we have one thing in common, Christ, and that's what holds us together. That's that firm center that allows us to have those soft edges. We're different, but we're one. Well, I hope you'll join me next time for episode 86. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. <laughs>